I'm Tim Martin, and this is Grantham Tennis Club's brand new podcast, Let's Talk Tennis, a podcast about all things Grantham Tennis Club and the sport we love. Each week, I'll be joined by a coach or member of staff to discuss what's happening at the club, their role, and their thoughts on the week of professional tennis. In today's first episode, I'm joined by the club's head of performance tennis, Richard Surtees, to talk about the club's recently awarded LTA Local Player Development Centre status, his journey as a tennis player to coach, and vision for GTC over the next five to ten years. Rich, welcome. Thanks very much for being the first guest. How are you doing today? Yeah, very good, thank you. Excellent. All right, then, mate. If we start then with, um, well, at the very beginning of your tennis life, uh, when did you first pick up a racket and uh, what was the reason behind that? Um, I think I was about five years old, I think, when I first picked up. I've got two older sisters that played a little bit. My, my parents, well, my mum played a lot when she was growing up, so she kind of got us into tennis. But I was about five years old, but I was, I was always quite a shy child and never really wanted to join in with coaching. I always wanted to make sure I could, could do something well before I kind of took up in, like the coaching. So I used to go down to my, my local club and I'd always be playing against the wall while my sisters would be having lessons. And then uh, eventually one day I, I took the plunge to get on court and have, have some lessons and kind of started from there, really. And how did your journey as a tennis player progress through the county ranks and onwards? You're talking like, you know, quite a few years ago now compared to what tennis is at the moment. But, you know, then tennis wasn't necessarily as, as much as it is now as an all-year-round sport. So it was more kind of tennis was summer sport. I used to play a lot of football, so football tended to be my winter sport and I'd have a little bit of a crossover. Um, but then as I started to play more, I got involved in some, some county training, got involved in some county teams, um, and then d- and did quite well through mini tennis as it was then. Um, and then kind of 12s and 14s, played quite a bit then, but still played a lot of football. And if anything, football was probably my downfall in terms of my progression of, of tennis to a better level. Um, and then I did quite well at 16s. I made it through to uh, regionals at 16s, qualifying for regionals at 16s. Um, but all the way through, you know, I played counter tennis for, for under 10s, under 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s. Um, and and then obviously just last weekend I, I managed to get selected to play for the county over 35s which is the first time I've been able to do that um, so it kind of shows that you know tennis is such a long longevity sport and not just about how well you do as a, as a youngster um, so many more opportunities as you get older so yeah so probably my, my pinnacle was you know I, I was county champion uh, for two age groups of singles I was county champion for doubles at every age group as I went through and I was a mixed doubles county champion uh, two years in a row under 18s um, so yeah so yeah, that's kind of where my tennis has taken me really and you mentioned that last weekend you were in Eastbourne yeah so last weekend we were uh, in Eastbourne we had a new captain this year for Leicestershire over 35s um, and he um, he actually did some, some good practices beforehand got quite a few people down there to kind of select the team from um, and then I was fortunate to be selected for, for the team um, I was selected mainly for my doubles because I'm actually a better doubles player than I'm singles um, sure. so I and then my doubles and uh, we we won on the first day against Devon 2-1 and then we played West of Scotland on the second day who on paper and we watched them play on the first day they looked very very strong um, and we, we did really well against West of Scotland we won all three of our matches on a 10 point tie break to win 3-0 and that put us top of the group. And then on the Sunday, um, the forecast was was not great. So we knew that if we didn't get all the matches played on the Sunday, with us being top of the group would mean we were promoted. And we were promoted to Division 1 for next year, which is obviously the top four clubs in the country. Um, out of, I think it's 44 counties. Um, so we were top yeah. four, in the, we'll be in the top four counties next year uh, in Division 1, which will be um, 
probably the highest level tennis I've probably played, if not in my life, but definitely in the last 20 years probably. So moving on now to the coaching side of the game, Rich, at what point did you decide that this was for you? Um, kind of just happened a little bit by fluke, really. It wasn't something that was in my plans to do. But when I, when I was 18 and I finished school at 18, uh, my original plan was to have a year out, uh, play a little bit of tennis, um, possibly travel around and play play some tournaments and things like that for a year, um, and then go back to school, go back to university and potentially do uh, primary school teaching was, was my original plan. Um, but during that year off, I'd already done my, the coaching qualification system was, was different back then. So I'd always already done my equivalent to my level three when I was 17. Um, wow. You didn't have okay. to do your level one or level two then. You kind of level three is where it is now. That was your starting point before. So I'd, I'd done that um, when I was 17, just turning 18. And then where I was playing a lot of tennis in Melton Mowbray, they, um, they offered me some coaching during that year that I had out. So I started coaching. I started to enjoy it. I was doing quite well with my coaching um, and thought, you know, well, I could go to university and possibly take my coaching with me. But actually, I, I saw that what I was doing, I was really enjoying it. And it was actually giving me good job, job satisfaction already. And I thought, well, why not give it a go? Stick at it. Um, stayed where I was in Milton for, for a couple of years and kind of gradually grew from there, really. Having played for your county and region, was there a particular coach who inspired you to become one yourself? It's similar to what they, what they say about football managers in terms of who football players have played under. If they then become to, on to be managers, they kind of pick up pieces from others, other coaches as they go along. And I guess that's similar with me. I had, had some good coaches at Melton, a guy called Brent Horribin is still coaching. He was a very good coach at Melton. Um, I was very fortunate to have Martin Weston, who's now one of the, the lead coaches at the LTA. He was my county coach for two years. And he was, he was a really, really good guy, um, inspired me a lot to, to progress my tennis between 16 and 18. Okay. And yeah, you know, and many others along the way that you know, have taught me small things. I've kind of taken pieces from others and, and added, added them into my coaching career, really. And it was at the end of last year, beginning of this year, that you achieved your Level 5 Master Coach qualification? Yeah, so it was the end of last year, um, I finished my Level 5 which is uh, the highest kind of level you can get in, in coaching qualifications in, in this country. So, yeah, no, I was really, really pleased to have uh, worked hard at that. It was, a, it was a tough course, two years it took me. Um, but, you know, to know now that it's actually finished and uh, achieved the highest coaching qualification you can achieve, it's, 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 I'm really, really proud of what I did. For sure. It's a big achievement. And with your coaching knowledge and experience, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about becoming a tennis coach? If you go into tennis coaching and think it's going to be a nice, easy job and just play tennis and things like that, it, it, unfortunately, you, you're probably not going to be very successful. So you've got to, to really love the game of tennis, love working with, with children and adults and people. Um, you know, And if you can get that across well and you can actually help them improve, you know, then, then you're definitely on for a winner as a tennis coach. You know, It's arguably one of the best jobs out there you can get if you really love the game of tennis and you really love working with people and children and, and seeing them progress. Totally. It's something that Alistair McCaw, the sports performance and mindset coach, stresses is that coaching, teaching, it's not your standard um, nine to five job. It's a vocation. And yeah, what you've said backs this. I just literally come back from uh, watching a couple of the boys from the tennis club playing in the Nottinghamshire County Finals. Now, you know, unfortunately, I, I understand that obviously not all coaches can make that, but it's, it's really, really important you could get out there and watch your children play as well if they're, if they're progressing and doing well and they're playing some tournaments just being there and showing the support 
you know, the, the two boys I've been to watch today did exceptionally well and were really pleased that I was there. And I obviously can learn a lot from from how they've just played their tennis matches as well. So it's it's actually you know you've got to sometimes do things outside of the normal hours that you'd be coaching um, as a tennis coach. You know, the laptop goes on at you know eight o'clock at night when you get home from coaching, and it you know sometimes is on for a few hours when you probably don't want it to be on, or your phone constantly ringing at you know evenings or weekends or things like that. But you know that's that's part and parcel of the job. Um, so yeah, you've got to you've got to really want to do tennis coaching and all the aspects that go with it otherwise you know you can actually start finding yourself actually not enjoying the job and thinking oh no you know what else can I do for sure if you don't watch your players competing at tournaments held at other clubs you won't get the full picture uh, in terms of their improvement so secondly what advice would you give to the absolute beginner it's an absolute beginner that you know he's just kind of picking up a racket and then just just enjoy enjoy getting out there and hitting tennis balls. You know you learn a lot from hitting tennis balls and you can have the best coaches around you in the world. But if you don't enjoy getting out there and hitting tennis ball and working hard, then it's it's not going to be an enjoyable experience. You know it's very very hard when you've got a sport like football for the boys and even the girls now, which is which is getting bigger and bigger with girls football. Is that you know you see it all the time they're just on the park they're just kicking the ball around they just look kicking the ball around. Tennis is tough because. It's, it's an individual sport compared to most of the sports, which is a team sport. But if you don't love going out there hitting tennis balls with your friends, with your coaches, with your parents, it's you know it's, it's a tough one to stick out for a long time. So I would just say, as long as you keep enjoying hitting a tennis ball out there, do it as much as you can, uh, because like I say, that's that's a really good way you'll improve. And, and at the end of the day, that's what the sport is. The sport is hitting a tennis ball. Yeah. If you get to the point where you don't enjoy hitting a tennis ball, then you might need to take up another sport. Yeah, time's um, up, isn't it? Yeah. Is. yeah. Finally, what advice would you give to parents of a promising player? You know, parents uh, are relied upon so much, not just in terms of being a taxi service to training and tournaments, but for support as well. In terms of support, you know, just support your children and be proud of your children of how well they're doing because tennis is, is possibly the toughest sport that they they could play. And for them to get out there on a tennis court and play a tennis match, it's not easy. It's not an easy game out there. So just be proud of your of your children. Support your children as you can. Um, you know, in our lifetime, how many tennis players have become professional tennis players that we could name? You know, you'd struggle to make five on one hand that have done a professional job out of tennis and been successful and earned a really good living. So the actual percentage of children that are playing the game of tennis to become professional is very very slim. Yes. Yeah. But it doesn't mean to say that they can't have their tennis which will help them further in their lives. You know, my, my tennis has helped me become a professional tennis coach. Um, I know lots of children that I've coached that have grown up that have used their tennis to go on to university. It's got them into some fantastic universities in this country and in America. And on the back of that, when they get their degrees, um, it's tennis that's taken them there. So tennis isn't about, is your child going to be the next Andy Murray? You know, let them play the game, let them enjoy the game, support your children. You know, we were at this tournament today and the parents were very, very good. You know, coming off, running over to the parents, parents, you know, giving them a hug, giving them a high five, great job, doesn't matter what the score is. You know, and that's what you want to see, the children running off, enjoying themselves, no matter what the score's been, and the parents being at the side of the court, just able to support them along the way as much as they can. Hopefully the enjoyment parents get from watching their kids play and knowing they're having fun is enough. Uh, Something I was told at the beginning of my Level 1 coaching course was that yes, there can be a big financial outlay, but it's important to realise your son or daughter might not become the next Andy Murray or Heather Watson. My parents now, you know, when I I, uh, was was successful with my Level 5 at the end of last year, you know, my parents said to me, um, you know, 
what we invested in you now as a child, traveling all around the country, taking you to tennis tournaments and paying for your tennis lessons. You know, we've invested in your career to now have a career that you really, really enjoy doing and doing quite well at. And obviously then that, you know, financially supports my family. You know, it's kind of a knock-on effect of how it passes down the years to what I've got from it now. My, my parents were, you know, more than happy to support and travel here there, and everywhere with me as a junior to obviously get to where I've got to. We talk about it, you know, what, what else does sport give children, you know, social skills, life skills, skills that they, you know, don't necessarily pick up from anything else other than playing sport. They, I've been on holiday this summer and my son uh, walking around in his Leicester City football kit sees a little boy in his Leeds United football kit and within an hour of them seeing each other, they've spent every day together playing football. Yeah. Now, if my son had a normal T-shirt on and that boy had a normal T-shirt on, then they probably would never have actually crossed paths. No. But sport and, and football and tennis and any other sport out there, it brings people together so much. And obviously then friendships, social groups, you know, I go back to where I was last weekend over 35s. The doubles partner that I played doubles with, I grew up at eight years old playing tennis with him. Wow. Uh, we've now gone to Eastbourne and played over 35s together um, many, many years later. And two of the other boys that were there, we've also grew up playing tennis with. They were a year younger than us. Um, and one guy that was a bit older, you know, I remember watching the guy who was older than us. Um, in our county championships, watching him three years older than me, thinking, wow, this guy's amazing. You know, so it's, yeah. it kind of all goes the long term of, of where tennis will take you and not just is your child doing well at a mini orange event or a mini green event. No, totally. It's um, being part of a sporting community and bringing people together. It's so much more than, than just the results. So moving now specifically onto your role as Head of Performance Tennis at Grantham Tennis Club, on a daily basis, what does that role entail? Um, so kind of my role really now since becoming the Local Player Development Club is um, mainly all geared around the progressions of our mini tennis programme. Um, so because we're local player development, it's all based 10 and under. So the mini tennis squads, which I head up, um, making sure that our players obviously are, are committing to the time and uh, the two squads a week that they're doing, they're uh, out there playing tournaments, they're playing for our club teams that we put out, uh, organising, obviously, um, the S&C side of things as well. So it's kind of like managing the whole of the programme for the performance side of things, um, as well as then actually helping and assisting the parents and the players in terms of what they're doing, um, advising them on tournaments, because tournaments is a completely different mindset for parents when they're first coming to tennis. Uh, any other sport, if they go to football training on a Saturday morning, they're told they have a football match on Sunday. Tennis isn't quite like that. We've got some leagues where they get involved in, and obviously but a lot of tennis tournaments are all individual tournaments they have to organise off their own back. Um, obviously, uh, helping and assisting with our current coaching team, helping those guys out. Um, we've got a very strong coaching team at Grantham with six full-time coaches. Uh, James heads up a lot of the, the development side of the coaching programme. So working with James and obviously with Sarah as tennis club manager. Um, and that, so I probably have um, daytime hours. I'll be having some adult coaching on court as well. And then when I'm off court, it's kind of overseeing that the structure of the programme is actually evolving the way I want it to go. And what other roles do you have outside of the club on top of that? Two captaincy roles at the moment. Yep. I've run Leicestershire under 18 girls for five years, I think it is now. Um, and what that entails is... Uh, we, they have an annual county cup event, which is every February. Um, and prior to that, uh, the new pathway change of the LTA is we're trying to get more county training happening with every county. 
Um, so the Leicestershire girls are trying to get more county sessions set up, which I will run um, most of those with assistance from a couple of other coaches that I'm not able to get to them with due to my commitments at Grantham. Yes. Um, and then obviously we take a team of eight players for the County Cup to a venue which could be anywhere in the country and then we play across three days against each county and then you play for promotion or relegation or if you come second or third you stay in the division and it kind of is an annual event for the year after uh, and then I do the same but I just take on the Lincolnshire uh, boys under 12 team uh, this summer was the first time I took that on so tried to get a little bit more involved in the Lincolnshire uh, county teams which was you know, I, I'm now also on a committee for Lincolnshire County Tennis to try and help um, generate more county training within Lincolnshire than we've currently had. So, yeah, so it's like those roles outside of um, the club that I kind of obviously have to, to bring in as well. Okay, brilliant. You mentioned then Lincolnshire under under 12s. There are several players, or um, yeah, several players from uh, from Grantham who who are part of the team. Yeah, we had we had two boys. We had two boys from Grantham. It was a uh, five-man team and we had two boys from Grantham play in the team this year um, it was very tough very tough division uh, Midlands has is, is always been very very strong counties in the Midlands so it's quite hard obviously Lincolnshire is a very very big county but in terms yes. of numbers of tennis players compared to some of the counties like Nottinghamshire Leicestershire Northamptonshire it's actually quite a small county so a lot of Lincolnshire is quite Greenland where obviously Leicestershire is a very populated county and they tend to have a lot more people playing the game of tennis so, yeah, Lincolnshire, it was a tough division for us this year. But the boys, again, you know, worked extremely hard. We, we competed very well. We had a couple of really good wins from some of our players. And, uh, you know, we said to the boys, you know, take away the le- lessons you've learned and see how we can progress and move forward from there. No, fantastic. Uh, and you spoke about the local player development centre status. The funding should hopefully do wonders for progressing the players. Hopefully, obviously, the, the local player development status... Um, is an LTA initiative that they we had to apply to become one. Uh, they selected 50 across the whole of the country, uh, and it was on based on three tiers of finance. So the lower tier, the middle tier, the higher tier. Um, only three clubs in the whole of the country got the highest tier, and there was 12 clubs that got the middle tier, uh, and about 35 then that got the, the lower tier. Uh, so we were extremely pleased when it was announced that we got the, the middle tiers, which kind of put us like in the top 15 really, top 15 mini tennis programmes the whole of the country for, for what we do in terms of our, our programme, our facilities, our coaching team, um, our S&C, you know, the whole package that we put together yes. uh, is, is obviously what we kind of got the local player development status from. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's you know, really, really good news for us all. We had a parents meeting the other night to explain to all the parents about what it is and potentially how it will happen and how it could change anything. Uh, But in the short term, if we're not going to change anything, it's going to run out as exactly as it was before because my theory is we we got this status based on what we've done for the past four years, so it doesn't mean we need to change anything. We're obviously doing something right already. So that will carry on as it is for for this term from September to Christmas, and then we'll kind of assess it again at Christmas and see if any changes need to be made from there. Okay, brilliant. And from what you've just said there, Rich, um, this might be a bit of a stretch to ask, but where do you see the club in five and ten years' time? Yeah, definitely. As I say, it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge, and who knows? Who knows what happens in five years? Who knows what happens in you know, five, five years ago, for example, Tim? We didn't even have the facilities we've got now. So, Very true, yes. You, know, yeah. you, you roll on another five years, who knows what, what may be um, around the corner then. But with this local player development status is a five-year um, plan so we we get our funding 
from the LTA for five years. So we kind of have a little bit of security of how we can help and finance and grow some of our players in the next five years. Um, I did ask when um, when we got our, our second tier of finance, um, you know, I was extremely pleased to have awarded that. But me being me thought, well, why, why didn't we get the top one? So I thought I'd ask the question. And the only reason we didn't get the top amount of funding is because we don't have the history of producing players for many, many years. We've only got four years kind of history. We couldn't, we can't do anything else about that because we weren't really up and running as we are now. Yes, yeah. Again. And so, you're, d- so you're dictated to by the facilities, aren't you? Um, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, partly, the yeah. The facilities and the programme we've got now is completely different to where we were five years ago. So in five years' time, you know, I'd like to think we've done a great job with the local player development. Uh, we would, at worst case, be able to carry on if this initiative carried on longer, that we could pick that up and roll on again for another five years. Uh, the next stage above the local player development is a regional player development, um, and that is for the players when they leave mini tennis, they go to 10 plus. So in five years' time, would we be in a position to actually have a local player development and regional under the same roof at Grantham? Uh, that would be a fantastic achievement if we could bring that into it. I don't see any reason why we couldn't, because if we if we do a good job at local player development, it will only bring more players out of our mini tennis programme. Uh, but then that would be a big ask, because then you're our regional development centre is, is actually uh, Nottingham Tennis Centre. So as big as we are at Grantham, you then look at the size of the facility at Nottingham, it's probably three or four times bigger than what we are. Okay. So would we be able to accommodate two initiatives like that? Or do we just say, look, we've done a fantastic job with local player development, let's apply for it again, and that's where we know we are. So... You just never know, Tim. You know, there's options, there's options galore. Um, you know, the children keep coming through. Uh, our mini tennis programme, our juniors now are under 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s. They're all doing much better in, in local leagues than they ever have done. We've got more of our juniors now getting involved in senior tennis. Um, and obviously our seniors, we do exceptionally well with our seniors, with, with obviously players going out there playing county week or coming from Grantham. We've got players out there playing for Great Britain at over 50s. So, yeah, you know, to me, the, the options are actually endless of where we could be in five years because when you when you go back to five years, who would have said we'd certainly having this conversation five years later? So you just never know, Tim. You just yeah. never know what could happen. For sure. Only time will tell. But the foundations we now have in place are really strong. And of course, that's testament to yourself and everyone else working hard to make the club what it is. Moving to the uh, professional side of the game on the men's tour, who do you see out of the ATP next gen finally breaking through and wrestling the Grand Slams off the big four? I don't want to sound like I'm sitting on the fence, but I think it's so open because we've had so many years of Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, Murray. um, I just think that currently they're still there. They're still doing well in all the slams. They're still competing. You know, Federer still doing extremely well in Grand Slams at his age it's unbelievable to, to such a person he is um, but if I'm honest I think there's going to be probably at least another couple of years of these guys at that end and thereafter I think the door is open for, for probably the best part of 8 or 10 players that could literally just come in and take it on and, and hopefully because we've seen how good it's been for the last so many years with those 4 players if we could have 8 or 10 players where there's, there's no guarantee one player is going to go on and progress and, and be the world number one for many years and they all keep fighting against each other I just personally think that's going to be great for the game because so many more people can come in 
you know, if you're 20, 30, 40, 50 in the world and potentially take on these top 10 guys, um, I just think it's going to really bring on so many more people and make possibly the top 1 to 50 a lot stronger than it currently is. You know, the top 1 to, well, if you take out, you know, Murray Djokovic, Federer Nadal, you take those four out, yeah. there's, there's not really, you know, anybody that's seriously going to be contending against them while they're still around mm. on a regular basis. You know, no, very true. They've done, done a few good jobs now and again, but nobody's done it consistently at the moment. Um, so yeah, I think I think the doors really, really wide open in the men's game, and so, like it is with the ladies. And there's so many ladies that come through and do really well. Some of the ladies you, a lot of people have never heard of, and they come through and get to lots of stages of slams. So I think I think it will be a good transition, a good changing period for for the men's game. Um, yeah. Not that I want Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, Murray to drift away, but I think when they do drift away, I think it'll be a fantastic change in men's tennis how, how it comes around. I was going to ask that. Do you see a situation similar to the women's game arising where there are various winners and arguably more excitement? In the past 10 to 15 years, there have been, what, seven or eight different male Grand Slam champions, but countless female winners. Like I say, when you look at the differences there, I, I just think that potentially the same same could happen with the men's game when, when unfortunately, that you know the greatest four players that ever competed together, in my opinion, kind of gradually drift away. Speaking of Murray, he lost to Vadasco in round two of the US Open. Do you think he will struggle to get back to a level where he can compete? Uh, I'm not talking about winning a Grand Slam, as sad as it is to say. I don't personally think he will win another Slam. Do you think he can make the semi-final stages of Slams again? I think he can. I think he can get back competing in them. Yeah, I really do. Uh, you know, maybe maybe could make a semi-final. You know, Wimbledon or something like that maybe. Um, but. I just think you know what he's what the operation had is it's, it's really serious operation. A lot of people actually never come back from from that type of operation. So for him to get back on court and you know be out there competing in the in the US Open already, is he's done really really well. So you know, give him another six months, year, see where he is then. Um, but I think I think definitely he'll get back competing. You know, he's such a competitor. You know, he loves to be out on the court. He loves to be out there playing. Um, it would be great to see that and. Just thinking, you know, something just came to my head now. What would you ever see Andy and Jamie Murray playing doubles Brad Slams? Yeah, that would be uh, yeah. that would be How epic, wouldn't that? it? How about that one? Yeah, you've heard that one here first. <laughs> yeah, certainly the Murray brothers haven't mentioned that in yeah. the past, have they? No. Yeah. <laughs> they did exceptionally well when they played uh, you know, Davis, Davis Cup. Davis Cup, yes. So if, he, if, he's, if it's his movement that is the issue that's stopping him being so, so successful in a single situation, then you know he's, he's he would be more than capable, I'm sure, of just spending a bit of time on a doubles court with his brother and you know the, the coaching team that his brother's got around him and who knows see the Murray brothers pick up a grand slam yeah totally um, how yeah. incredible that would be um, yeah definitely Rich a huge thank you for speaking today and giving us an insight into your life as a player and head of performance tennis here at Grantham Tennis Club uh, can't wait to see what will be achieved as a result of the local player development centre status so congratulations again and good luck we'll end with some quick fire questions Favourite Grand Slam? Wimbledon. Favourite surface to play on? Yes. Federer or Nadal? Federer. Favourite footballer? Wyatt. Who's going to win the Premier League? Liverpool. Favourite meal? Curry. Night in or night out? Night out. One thing you can't live without? Last song you listened to? Oh. Um, I've got a feeling, just on the radio. 
last gig you attended? Last gig. I can't remember the last gig I actually did attend. I'm not a gigger. Okay. Uh, you're hosting a dinner party. Which three people, past or present, are you inviting? Okay. And John McEnroe. Okay. Favourite place on earth? Uh, the Maldives. Favourite film? Uh, phone booth. Okay, interesting choice. <laughs> <laughs> Happiest moment? Uh, the birth of my children. And proudest moment? Okie dokie. Rich, thank you very much.